Today's scripture comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 26 to 31, and chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over all creeping things that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. Ye shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Genesis 2, 15 through 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. This is the word of the Lord. We're in a series on creation. This is part 10. And today's message I've entitled, Gardening with and for God. Uh, We just picked up the series, which we interrupted as we went to Christmas. And last week, if you missed it, I want to ask you, it would be very good for you to listen to part nine, because today is basically a continuation of last week's message, which I entitled, Dominion from Garden to City. And last week, um, I, I, I had a middle portion that I said, All of life is stewardship. So we've been called and given, in the image of God, dominion over creation to partner with him for his glory to fill the earth. Okay? And so let's get into it. Um, Yeah, let's get into it, all right? Part one, gardening unto glory. Gardening unto glory. Part two, the ultimate gardener the ultimate gardener and part three oh no part two vocation versus job or career and part three the ultimate gardener oh. all right let's focus here <laughs> all right let's go to part one gardening unto glory let's let's just do a very very brief review okay um, last week we looked at this this very important passage Chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. And I talked about how God, what does it mean to be human? Most fundamentally, it means to be like God. It means to reflect, to be an image of him, to be like him. And I made a critique that, you know, cultures tend to just fixate on one thing, and then really they're just fo- shaping their, their understanding of the image of God. So I made this critique of the Greeks. They said that, you know, human beings, being an image of God, 
means that they're a reasoning creature. And then I said, wait a second, it doesn't say that in the Bible. Now, it's clear that human beings are reasoning creatures and quite different from all the other creatures, but that's not what it said in the Bible. It says something far bigger than that. We're made in his image and to be like him. And one of the most important ways that we do that is through this calling of dominion. That is, we, have, we get to rule over creation in partnership with God. So let me take you to this verse, two verses later, 128. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. There we go again. And have dominion. Be fruitful and multiply, and uh, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion. And last week, I, I gave you this uh, introduction to a concept which was new to me until I got to graduate school, and that is that this verse teaches, in those blue words there, it teaches what some theologians have called the cultural mandate. What are we here to do? The dominion is to be like God and then, and then have dominion over the earth and to build culture. And I gave you this, you know, the, the, this quick, you know, you know, what I call the five C's. It goes from covenant, couple, <laughs> covenant community, culture, city, civilization, and we are culture builders as we fill and subdue the earth. Now, I want to um, take you uh, into this next portion. What does it look like to uh, have dominion and to subdue the earth like God? What does it look like? What is that actually, you know, like, you know, the, the, I gave you all these big the theological concepts last week. Some of you are like, that was like a lot of big ideas, and, I, and I, it's a little bit more difficult for me to see what is my activity as it, you know, comes to, you know, uh, in my daily life. And that's kind of what I want to get at today. And so let's look at this passage, which we read and which I, I'm sure you all know, and this is it, Genesis chapter 2. Verse 15, here's what it says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden, in the garden of Eden, to work it and keep it. Put him in the garden to work it and keep it. And then it goes on and says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. <laughs> and what this in this, it's seemingly a very simple verse, but tremendously profound, which is that all of creation is a garden. And the implications for this are, is tremendously vast. And the way I want to put it to you is, when you are made in the image of God, and we together practice dominion in the image of God, we are, your whole life is a form of stewardship. It's a strange word in the modern idea because we just tend to think whatever I own is mine. My time is mine. My body is mine. <laughs> my possessions are mine. But the Bible gives us a much bigger concept. And, you know, in the ancient world and other places, they understood this better because you might have been, you know, someone who works for somebody else, and he's the real owner, but you are in charge. Today we might call this a manager. It doesn't really quite you know, get the right idea. A steward is more than a manager. You're really in charge and you're responsible to the owner. And all of creation is that. It's a garden owned by God. <laughs> 
And do you know what we all are? We are gardeners who are going to answer to the owner God. So what are we here to do? We are here to work and keep the garden. And this next portion is, to, is a reminder that there's always a line of God's authority that we are not to cross. And that line is always there to remind us that in one sense he is Lord of all creation. But as I told you last week, he gave us a covenant. And covenant, as I said just quickly, is always three. But there's the Lord God is over all things. And our culture is very anti-covenantal. We don't, because we always want to eliminate the God part. We always want to just think there's only two, two partners. You know, like the husband and the wife, that's all that matters. And if we don't like each other anymore, we'll just dissolve this thing. And we treat marriage as contractual, but it's actually covenantal. And that when you make a vow of marriage, you're always covenanting first to God. So God is creator. He's the owner of the garden. But you know what? He also works the garden. He is the Lord over the garden. And then this is the extraordinary part. He gifted human beings. He gave us cultural mandate, let's put it that way, so that we would covenant with him and partner with him to bring out the fullness of the garden. Now, let's just take it here for a moment. I want you to think a little bit about what is a garden? <laughs> Any of you here garden? You guys are, are you guys all just a bunch of like urban, you sit in front of your computer and you know, like you, you, you wouldn't know where a tomato came from except it's at the supermarket, <laughs> you know? Uh, are you like that? You know, because I'm like that, okay? Um, my wife, she, she knows a little about gardening. She likes to grow a few things, and she, and she mostly is trying to get rid of the weeds because she hates them, all right? Um, my mom is a gardener. She, she likes to, and now that she's kind of retired, she likes to see things grow, and she was growing some tomatoes or something this, in her yard until the, the deer from the local mountain came and ate it, and she got really annoyed, okay? Um, but here, I want you to think about what a garden is. If you go out into the world that's not man-made, things just grow. And there are God's creatures. There's his animals, there's his insects, the birds, and then there's all these plants. And they just grow. Like we call it the wild, and it grows. But a garden isn't really the wild. You know, you go out, you ever notice that you're just driving around? And we don't even have to go into the wild. There's a field. And you can tell that nobody takes care of it. Why? <laughs> because it just grows just like crazy, and it looks kind of messy and ugly, and it's something more like the wild. You ever understand that? But you can tell when somebody takes care of it. So when you go into somebody's neighborhood, and they have a, a, a wonderful lawn, and they have special flowers and trees, and they're trimmed, and it's growing beautifully. You know what that's more like? That's more like a garden. What is a garden? A garden is a place of God's creation, but it's in partnership with human beings. You see? The jungle just grows. Just, it's like it's the wild. But a garden is also made beautiful in partnership with God by human beings. So let's just go back to the example. My mom is growing some tomatoes. Any of you make, can any of you make a tomato? Can you go into the lab? Can you code some tomatoes? <laughs> right? None of us can make tomatoes. But 
So it's, it's utterly, if God doesn't gift it, if God's power and, and of his goodness that he put into creation isn't there, we can't ever get it. Yet, if we're going to get tomatoes, there has to be a garden. <laughs> and if there's going to be a gardener, garden, there must be gardener. Did you know that you're all a gardener? We were all called to look at what God made. And if you, if you remember, in Genesis, he made this, 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 that. It's good, it's good, it's good. At the end of the chapter, he says, all that he made, he saw that it was very good. And you know what our call is? Is this. A gardener takes something that's not there. It's like we know that this is from God. And this is something that there's a potential for something beautiful and even of more good from this. And if we work with God, this goodness can turn out into something more beautiful, even glorious can come of it. And you know that that's what God has invited you to do? In fact, that's what your whole life is for. <laughs> your whole life is to take the creation and make it glorious from God. And so that's why the world, he actually made the world very good, but strangely, it's incomplete. <laughs> and he invited us to say, let's make it better. <laughs> we wake up every day, and did you know that your dominion as a human being, that you have been gifted with the infinite glory of being made like God? And then when you go out to the creation, you're supposed to look for his beauty and goodness and like him, seek the potential so that a seed of something that's there turns into something more beautiful that nobody realized could be there. And it can only happen when we're partnered with him. Does that make sense? Now, um, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a little, uh, have you ever thought about words? We use this word good, and good is good. <laughs> it's not bad. If you say that that meal was good, well, that, that, that's, that's a pretty good adjective, right? Um, what if you say that that meal was very good? <laughs> so let me ask you to go, go to the next slide there. But don't you want something even better than very good? When we want something even stronger than very good, you know what word we tend to use in our culture? We tend to use the word something like beautiful. And we use other words like this. She's pretty. <laughs> That's like good. <laughs> She's gorgeous. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> because that means on the outside, she looks better than just good. She's just on a whole other level of good. But then if you say she's beautiful, usually that means She's wonderful on the outside and on the inside, right? But do you know that the, in the Bible, the word beauty and beautiful isn't really used that much? <laughs> you know why? I'm, in fact, I don't know anywhere it's used. Because beautiful is too small of a word <laughs> for what God wants to do and what God was planning to do. The word that God uses is glory. What is glory? It is beautiful. It is beauty that is beyond beauty, which is from God. 
That's what glory is. That's what we are intended to do. We intend to come to the earth, and we intend to take things that were ugly and broken and make them good. Actually, God already made it good, and then we made it ugly and broken. But then you know what we do? We intend to make it good. God made it good. You notice at the end of the chapter, it ends with very good. He saw everything that he did. It was very good. He made human beings. And then afterwards, he was so pleased, he said, very good. But that's not the end of the Bible. He wanted to take us into a journey, not even a beautiful, but to glorious. So I gave you this verse last week. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. This is the ultimate purpose of God. The prophets would call out Israel because they were not interested in doing the thing that God had made us for. And here's, here's the way the prophet Habakkuk said it. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. As the waters cover the sea. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the, glorious, the glory of the Lord in these four walls called church. The earth is filled with the knowing. Let's not instead use the word knowledge because you see the word knowledge. We always tend to think knowledge is, is kind of like head fact. Knowledge is like I, I, know, I know a fact or I can do algebra or I know how to code or something like that. That's how we think. But you know that when the Bible uses the word knowledge, it doesn't always just mean knowledge. Like head fact, it means knowing. Earth will be filled with the knowing of the absolute beauty beyond beauty of the Lord. Unto how far? As far as like the way the oceans cover everything. That's what God wanted. <laughs> when he made the world and he made you and me. And so the potentiality for not just good, or very good, or even beautiful, but for beauty beyond beauty, from God. That's what we were intended to seek, to see it, to seek it, to sow it, <laughs> to, with God, like a garden, make it together with him and offer it back to him so that everybody can know it, see? So that, so that the earth will be filled with the knowing of his glory. Everybody else will know it. That's what we're called to do as gardeners. Follow me? Let's go to part two. Vocatio versus job or career. Now, I want to, before I talk about this word, vocatio, um, it's an old concept, and I'll just get into it in a little bit, but um, vocatio means calling. It's an old Latin word, which means calling. Today, we live in such a godless, secular culture. I said we're kind of anti-covenantal. We don't even look at the world. We only just think it's me and my neighbor, me and other people. And hopefully, I'm better than them. Hopefully, they'll like me. Hopefully, I can use them. Maybe I'll let them use me. And it's just about together, we'll go out. Maybe we'll get something good out of it. I'll live a short life. And you tend to think it's a long life, but it's really a short life. And hopefully, it'll be comfortable, and then I'll just die. And one of the most important things we want out of this is a good job. Or some of you are more ambitious than that. You want a career. But actually, if you think like that, 
you only think about job or career, let me tell you, you're not thinking in the image of God. You're only thinking about a man-centered humanity, and you have some image of like what you're supposed to be and some glory that's in the world, and you don't think that that glory has anything to do with God. It's just about you. <laughs> For instance, if it's about a job, what, what is a job? A job is a task that you do to make money. And some of you, you don't even want a career. You're just like, that's, that's good enough. Just give me a job that makes money. And long as it makes a lot of money, that's fine by me. Okay? If it bores me to death, I don't really care. As long as at the end of the day, you know, like, show me the money. Right? And you know that has nothing to do with your image? It has nothing to do with the world as garden. There's no calling. See, it's, there's no calling, and there's no invitation to the garden. It's just me and money. <laughs> Some of you are a little bit more ambitious, and uh, you want something bigger than that. You want a career. And a career is something more like this. It's a job, but then it's a job to a job, to an industry, and you get better and better at it, and you get better and better at what you're good at, and you not only make really good money, you only get, not only get recognized for being really good at this work, but that people honor you. They pay you really well. That's another way they honor you. But they recognize you. And that's how you feel that your worth is coming through a career. <laughs> you know, it's all about you. It's all about me. It's me. It's like, it's my career. <laughs> you know why so many families break apart? Because it's about his career or her career. Wait a second. Who's going, to take, who's going to pick up the kids? Wait a second. If I have to pick up the kids, that will interfere with my career. No, wait. That will interfere with my career. <laughs> and then they come home, and it's career. And you know what is the career about? It's less about money. It's about my glory. <laughs> That's what it's about. This is what makes me successful. And then people will say, and they'll give me status, and then people will uplift me, including I will uplift me, right? When I can attain this. It's, it's funny. Everybody's got some strange standard. Maybe if you're a student and you have to get into the X university instead of Y. And if you didn't get into X, you only got, you only got into Y, then your career is already off to a, a weak start. Oh, my goodness. And whose standard is that? Yours. And whose glory is that? It's like your life is about the knowing of the glory of Susan. <laughs> That's what it's about. And then when I go out to the world, I want you to get the, to about to know about the glory of Susan. Instead of when I wake up in the I'm called by God to spread his glory and see it in the garden. Hear it? Now I want to give you um, a sense of this. Vocatio. What might vocatio look like as you look for the potentiality of God's uh, beauty, better than beauty, his glory in creation? So um, let's take this. Genesis says that you can eat of every fruit. God says, this is the garden. Eat it. <laughs> all these good things, you can eat all of it. I go work it. <laughs> and then when good stuff comes out of it, you can eat. All right? So let's go to this first one. It starts with a seed. And I'll just give you, let's give you an example. First, there's the creation 
a seed. Does a seed look interesting? It looks boring. So I'm not interested in gardens. Seeds are, if you ever give me seeds, I, I won't be really happy because I'll be like, that looks boring. <laughs> but if you give me a book, maybe there'll be a seed of something beautiful inside there and I'll be excited. So some people, you're interested in a different kind of seed. I'm not interested in like plant seed, but I'm interested in other kinds of seed. But let's just use this as an example. Seed leads to wheat. Seed is like, that's good. But then when we get to wheat, that's better than good. It's like, it's better, it's more good. Then wheat can lead to bread. Oh, flour, sorry. Flour. And then flour can lead to bread. We started with something good, a seed. And now we're at something very good, bread. But you know, that's not that exciting, is it? Um, bread can lead to something even more glorious than that. And I thought the good example of that would be something like a wedding cake. <laughs> you ever think about that? I like going to weddings because I like, I'm not interested in your average everyday cake, but I do like glorious cake. I like glorious cake. And every now and then I go to a wedding and I'm like, this one was just very good. But every now and then I eat a cake because that occasion is so worthy. There should be something more than just very good, yes? So maybe your vocatio is like this. <laughs> so anywhere along that line, you're being God's gardener. <laughs> maybe you're the person that takes flour to bread or from bread to wedding cake or from seed to wheat, you're being God's gardener, okay? I'll give you a different example, all right? Um, so, how about the seed called sounds, right? Let's go with sounds. So I said to you last week, you know that eating doesn't only happen through this way. <laughs> you know, you don't only taste through this thing called the tongue, right? You know the, the tasting that I like to do? Last week I, I told you what I do in my spare time is listening to one of my friends and I, we, we talk about, is this piece from Bach better than this piece from Bach? Or is this piece from Beethoven better than this piece from Brahms? Do you know that the fruit of the garden that you can taste, the food you can eat, you can eat it through this? <laughs> I like to eat through my ear and taste that. So here we go again. Sounds. And then there are certain sounds that we call notes. And then there's a gathering of some of those notes which you call keys. You know, some of the keys sound more sad. We call minor keys. Do you guys know that? That if you want to have a, a song that makes you sad, we put it in a minor key. God even put the sadness sounds into the world, called the minor key. And then we have lyrics, instruments, and scores. And then we start going to very good. We start having bands or orchestras. And then we get to something closer to glorious. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't really think it's glorious. But BTS, <laughs> right? BTS is sort of like the biggest band in the world, at least 
Am I, am I already outdated? Are they already not the biggest? They're like the biggest brand in the world like three years ago, okay? When they make it to McDonald's commercials, they're, they're, that's pretty big, okay? <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm not interested in BTS. Um, you know, like Gina Haar and I would we'd much rather listen to Chicago Symphony Orchestra, preferably conducted by <laughs> Sir George Schulte. All that is gardening. <laughs> How about one more? All right. So this is something I care about. Round sphere. That just looks so not interesting. But it's in the creation. Something's around. And then you can make this thing called a ball. <laughs> and you can bounce it. It's crazy to me that someone invented this thing called a football, this oblong thing. It's not even around. And, and that's strange. That ball is not even around. And then, and then, so let's stick to the round one. There's basketball. And then the glory gets bigger. We get to very good varsity basketball. And then we get to NCAA tournament or the NBA finals. If anybody in there does, don't know what those last ones are, don't, don't, don't worry about it, okay? <laughs> okay? So where's your vocatio? That's what I want to ask you today. Do you look at your life as fundamentally job or career? Or do you believe that you have a vocatio, a calling, calling? God called you. So you go into the creation and you see something and you see it, but somebody else doesn't see it. You have an ability to take this thing from basketball to varsity basketball. You could take that. Or you don't even know if you're good enough at it, but that's what your, your, your heart, your mind, your, will, your abilities, you know what's going on there? God is saying, you my gardener there. <laughs> You're my gardener there. And do it like me. Not just for your glory. Not just for your name. Not just for your money. But so that my beauty of beyond all beauty would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And everyone will know it. Will taste not just of our goodness, but of his. That's what we were meant to do. So I want to ask you that question. So I'll just give you one more um, example, and then I'll, I'll, I want to close my message, okay? We started this series, and it said that before God created, there was just chaos. <laughs> and then he started putting order, and it was good. Let me give you just some examples of people who do that. Of different kinds of gardening where they just take something that's messy and chaotic and turn it into some kind of ordered good. Here's some examples of people who do that, okay? They are house cleaners. People who do that a little bit more professional, we may call them janitors or custodians. You ever watch these shows where somebody has an absolutely total mess of a house and then there's a person who's kind of an organizer 
They're, they're sort of like part organizer and part therapist, only one. <laughs> to say, this you can throw away or you can let go. And let's organize your life and your space. And while we're at it, did you know that that's what a therapist is? It's chaos in here. It's chaos in here. And they help take what is not good and make it good. And then very good. And if you do it for Jesus, to make it beautiful, even glorious for God. <laughs> How about some other people who do this kind of stuff that you may not have thought of? How about IT folks? How about HR folks? How about police officers? The chaos that is not good and to try to make it good. How about architects? A space that's not good and it's turned into a, a space that is good and very good and potentially glorious. What might be your calling? Now, today, I mostly talked about work. <laughs> there are other ways to be gardeners. Indeed, even more important ways to take the potentiality of glory. So how about in the future, we'll talk about other ways like being a mom. <laughs> being a mom. Very, very not respected today. Incredibly not respected today. So deeply not respected. I just want to say this before I move on to part three. If um, anybody asks you what you do, and if you happen to be a stay-at-home mom, please never say, I'm only a stay-at-home mom. Please never say that. Or I would say that the mothers do much more important, glorious work than the IT folks and the architects and the designers and the policemen. So we live in a wicked and terrible culture that doesn't respect the gardening, the mothering. And that's what moms, that's what you're doing, mom. <laughs> you're taking your children to the glory of God. Okay? Would you consider what is your vocatio? And in faith, you should pursue it <laughs> and ask God to help you to find it. Remember, you do it with him together. And in your corner of your garden, he will together walk to help you take this creation dust and turn it into glory. Let me close uh, my message um, by talking about the ultimate gardener. I want to close with this verse. There's a verse that everybody reads from John chapter 4 and nobody pays attention to it. And I think it's super relevant to today's message. And Jesus puts it in an odd way. This is Jesus. Here's what he says. Jesus said to them, he's talking to his disciples. This is, John, what's, this is what's going on in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, Jesus decides to take a trip from one part of Israel to the other, and he says walk right through the middle of Samaria. Okay, that would be the equivalent of you're white, 
and you live in the Old South, and I'm going to walk from here to there, and we're going to walk right through the middle of the all-black neighborhood. <laughs> well, we hate those people, and they hate us. Because Jews would always kind of wrap themselves all the way around. They would completely like, go the long way around to avoid that neighborhood. But Jesus decides, no, we're going to go right into the middle of the neighborhood. And he meets a woman, a Samaritan woman. She had a pretty messed up life. She's had multiple husbands, and the man she's with now is not her husband. And they go off to get some food. And then Jesus says this thing, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And disciples didn't understand what he's talking about. He's like, did you get him some food? Did you get him some food? What's he talking about? He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And what is he saying here? Here he is in a context, in the creation. And the Jews and the Samaritans, they built their culture on their rival image of man, what they think is their glory. The Jews' glory you know, has no room for the Samaritans. And the Samaritans' glory has no room for the Jews, which is why they hate each other's guts, which is completely normal in this world, by the way. When we always do things according to the image of man and the glory of our image of our tribe, this is what makes us special. You're not one of those, so get lost. <laughs> and if you're going to be inside of our, around us, the best thing we can do with you is to use you. <laughs> is to use you. That's how it's done when we're not in the garden and doing dominion under God and for God. But the one who is better than Adam, the one who is a new Adam, the one who came to be, who is truly God, utterly is God, so of course he has the complete image of God, came to be most human to restore what was lost. When we chose to listen to the devil, and choose ourselves. And it's a garden. Who cares about garden? It's just all about me and my glory. And Jesus, unlike us, or Adam, said, I have food to eat, <laughs> and I have work to do. And it is to accomplish his work. So Jesus came, and he came to do a work he found those in creation. So you take the seed. The seeds don't look very interesting. And he said, there's a potentiality of glory in the seed. And I have come to garden so that the seed would sprout good, very good, beautiful, glorious, like God. And do you know who that seed is? The garden he came to work on? It's you and it's me. <laughs> the dust he came to work on, the seed he came to work on, is you and me. 
And the way he came to do it was very strange. He was in a different garden. <laughs> Not the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Gethsemane. And God says, you're going to do this work. This is the, the garden that will heal the failed Garden of Eden. The Garden of Gethsemane. And the ultimate great gardener, Jesus and God said, here's what the work I want you to do. This is my work. There are these people that are supposed to be made in the image of God. They chose the devil. They chose themselves. They chose death and oppression and injustice and racism and wickedness and death. And you must drink this cup, this most awful cup. But if you will do so, the seed of glory will sprout in them. <laughs> and Jesus, though he was sweating like blood, and he even said, do I have to do this? <laughs> he said, I'm your gardener, Father. <laughs> Not my will, but yours be done. So that all of us Terrible people who live not according to God's image and his will. Our hearts could be turned around. And his glory can begin to grow in us. And we can become stewards and the image of the ultimate gardener. Be gardeners with and for God yet again. Jesus came for that. Brothers and sisters, have you ever thought of salvation this way? Salvation isn't primarily about getting stuff from God or even some place you're going to go to, hopefully the good place and not the bad place, but that you would start to look at the world and you would see that it's God's garden. <laughs> it's your garden. And you are called to reflect his glory and make it known to everyone. And if you would give all your wickedness and all your selfishness, you would give all your job clawing after selfish, idolatrous ways that you're going to build your own worth and your own wealth and your own comfort. And if you would give that to Jesus, he would give you the true, beautiful gardener's heart and a whole new life, and a whole new purpose. <laughs> Let's pray. We're such short-term, blind. Well, we don't even, we just look for jobs. The only ones we're interested in are the ones that pay. <laughs> and yet, you're interested in is giving us glory, yours. I, I think of um, that old question, what is the chief end of man? And the great theologian said, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We forfeit, we forfeit that enjoyment 
when we cast off our call from you, the vocatio, to be gardeners in the image of God unto the glory of God. And thank you, Lord, that you yourself, Jesus, came to take us who are quite incomplete, and yet, instead of looking at the mangled, wicked mess that we are, you saw in us the potentiality to be gloriously like you. Thank you that you obeyed in a new garden, better than the Garden of Eden, so that we could live and turn this world from garden to the city of God. We pray that you'd pour out your spirit on us. You'd give us conviction and joy to receive the gospel this way and to live inside of your cultural mandate of identity we have from you to have practice, have and practice dominion like the sons and daughters of God we were always meant to be. In Jesus' name, amen.